Welcome, 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 fantasy football fiend family. The wait is over. The wait is over. We are on the air. We are ready to go. We're going to drop so many gems that it's going to be ridiculous. So happy to be able to share a little bit with you of what we've been able to learn over the last whew, couple of decades. Man, this is going to be a different type of fantasy. So you're going to love uh, the fantasy football family is going to be dropping jewels on you on a weekly basis. I am the fantasy football fiend, Xavier Jordan, Mr. Make It Happen with me. I got my man. All right. That's enough. That's enough, man. It's your boy, <laughs> Young Vandal, man. You know what Yo, I'm saying? Vandal. I'm here, man. We here. We in the building. Yo, so so let's tell them a little bit about ourselves. I mean, we, we go way back, way back. Used to work together and um just one evening i remember um he was like yo so you you, you watch football I was like yeah he's like uh, you, you play fantasy football and that smile came across my face because i just knew <laughs> <laughs> that night we probably uh we was working the, the uh the the morning shift so we, we had like from like 12 to 8 in the morning literally that entire night the entire time we spent talking about fantasy football and since then, I can't even number the amount of championships we've both won uh, in the, in, against each other in many cases. But, yeah, just the uh, amount of fantasy knowledge between the two of us and several other people that are part of the Fantasy Fiend family that are going to be talking to the people. Uh, we're just going to be able to bring a new flavor in a new way. Let's get business taken care of real quick. If you're trying to find us on your social media sites, uh, fantasyfootballfiend at gmail. Um, at fantasy underscore fiend on Twitter, on IG, fantasy football fiend on IG. If you're on Facebook, we got a Facebook group, fantasy football fiend family. Check us out in all those spots. Thank you for joining us. Do you have uh, any information you want to get out there to the people about your socials? You can reach me at the uh, young Vander. That's the word young, V A N D R. Pretty much on all platforms. I'm on IG, Snapchat, Instagram, Twitter. So you can reach me at those, you know. If you had any questions, anything, man, DM me, man. I'll I, I talk back. All right, all right, all right. Let's go ahead and jump right into it. So the first thing that you have to keep in mind when playing fantasy is your modus operandi, your mode of operating. What is your philosophy? How is it that you're going to make sure that you keep your guard up and you maintain the same level of thinking when some people are going to tilt and start making emotional decisions. We have a system for that. We have a system that covers drafting, a system that covers waivers, and a system that covers trading. It's all the same thought process and idea. And this thought process and idea is what we utilize when we're making picks all throughout. So as we're giving you different rankings, as we're giving you projections, as we're giving you our tiers of players, the way we come up with that information or the way we come up with our own tiers, the way we come up with our own rankings is by this guard system. So let's go. Fantasy guard, G, G, game breakers. Game breakers are vitally important in fantasy why game breakers can help you win a week that you probably should have lost 
or in many cases, a game breaker is that person that may get you over the hump against a team that should have beaten. So, Barry, talk to him a little bit about game breakers. Maybe give him a couple of examples of uh, who some of your game breakers are. Game breakers. Uh, man, these are the guys that the overachievers. Um, mm. You have those weeks that you may uh, you were maybe you were supposed to score. Uh, 15 points, but you end up with 35 points, mm. you know. So you got these guys that sometimes single-handedly, like you said before, win ball games. Um, I've seen before many years where you had uh, a Doug Martin right. <laughs> from years back right. go out and, and score 55 in a game, you know. Jamal like, Charles. You know, those, yeah, those games <laughs> that they had, it's just like, okay, yeah, he won the game by himself, you know what I mean? Right. So these are those players that, you know, they have a high upside, but they can really – really break the bank from week to week and that's a perfect segue into the next part of the guard system g then you have your you you upside upside is vitally important as well what's the max that i can expect from this person what is their ceiling how high can they possibly go um, we know that not every week is going to be a ceiling week but what is their max amount why is upside so important Upside is important because these are the guys that uh, they, they may be not as consistent. They might not give you a consistent number, but when they give you a game, man, they give you a game. Um, these are the guys that they they can get to that that G status of a player. If you if you right. follow me, they can be there. It's not going to be maybe as consistent as the G player, but this guy is a guy with tons of potential. So these are your Tyler Lockett's of the world. He's going to give you three games a season where it's like, my goodness, why is this guy not right. the best wide receiver in the game? Right. It's going to be your um, your David Montgomery's of the world, like um, like last year where he had a, a six-game streak that won people championships. Right. The upside is there. A lot of times you get a lot of upside with your younger guys as well. Um, you you, you – you get untapped potential with those younger guys. And the next part of the system is just that, age. So a lot of times what you see, especially in today's NFL, guys are getting off much quicker, especially your running backs. Your wide receivers, it used to be a case where we say, okay, that third-year breakout. Mm -hmm. But now, I mean, we had wide receivers break out last year with zero offseason. Um, most of your wide receivers are now breaking out in year two versus year three. Um, and we have some of those special guys that don't even need a full season. They just need a few weeks in the first season. Um, so age. Um, and that's not to say that um, the dividing line between two players is going to be age, to be specific here. It's saying that if you need to go um, with a, a player that may give you a little bit more than what you are assuming they may give, then you may want to go with that younger guy because that older guy that's been in the league for X amount of years, in all likelihood, they're going to repeat what they've done previously. Now that can be good or that can be, be or that can be bad, but when you latch on to some younger guys. Um, you're able to maybe get them at a value that you won't be able to get them 
later on in the game. So that comes into play with your keeper leagues and your dynasty leagues, things of that nature, mm -hmm. um, even in redraft leagues, because if in your actual draft, you get some of those younger guys that no one else paid attention to, by the time you're into week three, week four, now on your bench, you have a guy that's as valuable as other people's starters. So now you have trade bait and trade value that you can go and level up positions that you may maybe neglected in the draft or that you were willing to put off until later. So this is, again, a system that's going to ensure that everything that is necessary to be successful in fantasy, you're optimizing. Now, the next part is the role. Um, the role covers a lot. Uh, so the role covers everything from the role in the offense, the role that the coach plays as far as what it is their system is going to be, um, what it is their history is as um, the coordinators on the team, as far as what their history is. Um, that's going to tell you a whole lot about the role that the various players on that team are going to have. Um, that's going to tell you a lot about the level of consistency that you can hope for from said players. Um, so talk a little bit about how important and the various ways that um, a player's role and the various roles throughout the organization, how they play a part in fantasy. Uh, well, to me, this is the one thing I always pay attention to as far as roles. I think this is the most important because um, you could take these high powered names and just throw them on a team, and then you expect, oh, this is going to be gold. And everybody, when Odell Beckham went to Cleveland, everybody, oh, man, Odell going to go off. Not necessarily. You know what I mean? So it really depends on the type of offense, the type of system, the, who's the coordinator there, you know, what players that certain coordinators like to get involved. Um, free agency, who's coming in, who's leaving. For, for example, uh, this year, uh, a lot of people are high on McCole Hardman. Like, this may be his time to catch up. That's because of the exit of Sammy Watkins. So it's going to be more targets for him to come in. So, you know, that's the role. He, he he's, he's bringing in a different role, a, a, a bigger responsibility, as you will. Um, definitely running backs and uh, any kind of zone running scheme offenses is going to be gold. Um no so matter. give me a couple of um, examples when you say the um, when you say the zone scheme. Um, so I know that's the same scheme that made Arian Foster a whole lot of money when everybody thought he was going to be a bust. Right. It's the same scheme that, um, you know, several of the teams run. Your favorite team, to be exact, runs the same definitely, scheme. Definitely. Um, so tell them a little bit about a couple of the teams um, so they kind of get a picture in their mind's eye of what that zone running right. scheme looks like. Well, I'm a uh, 49er fan, uh, and we have Shanahan as our coach, and he comes from that zone scheme family. Um, so, of course, any running back that's the starter in that, you want to get on that. Uh, but one of the one of the bigger fish that's running it, that's actually their coaches from that that Shanahan umbrella, is uh, Dalvin Cook in Minnesota. Mm. So yes, a lot of you yes. know a lot of people didn't pay attention to that when when that came in. They was like, okay. He should be cool this year. No, he's going to be gold this year. <laughs> and that was last year. You know, he had a big season. So, okay, if, well, let's let's add another one to the list then. So, if the system, for all intents and purposes, makes the back 
when all things else are equal. Obviously, there has to be talent there. They wouldn't be, you know, they wouldn't be in the position they're in if there wasn't talent. Correct. Can we then look forward and say that one of our sleepers, if you will, right now, as far as average draft position is concerned, I will refer to average draft position as ADP. So when we're talking about um, ADP, that's the where when, when we look at multiple sites across the board, your Yahoo's, your ESPN's, your sleepers, your uh, NFL's of the world's, what's the average place this person is being drafted? So um, there's a guy out there right now um, that's under the Shanahan umbrella. Mm-hmm. Um, same scheme, mm-hmm. young guy. So you got the age, you got the upside, you got the role. His depth chart is looking mediocre as hell. Um, Michael Carter might just be shooting up my draft board just because all of the things that we're looking at in our system, he was a, he was a, although he and, uh, Javante, um, Williams, the, the Bronco, uh, although they shared a backfield in college, um, he was the lightning of the thunder and lightning, if you will. So if we're looking at our fantasy system in which we want to kind of judge our picks, uh, you got your game breaker, you have upside, you have age, he has the role, and his depth chart is mediocre. Right. Um, it sounds like that, it sounds like uh, Carter might be a my guy. Correct. He so, definitely fit in all the the U A R and D of the guard system for sure. Um, so I, I mean that, that that may be something that we look at, but that's just an example of how you can kind of put several different things together um, to kind of come up with a conclusion for who may be worth your while. Now that doesn't mean that I'm going to make him a second, third, fourth, fifth round pick. No, that means he's a value where he's currently going, Correct. which is like the back end of the um, the, the it close to double digit rounds. Um, so. Um, that's something to just keep in mind there. So that's how the guard system works. Um, depth, depth. Okay, so we talk a lot about depth, the depth chart, right? So that says, yes, I understand where my guy is on the depth chart, first of all, but more importantly, how many other comparable players have that same position on the same team? Then you're going to look at the role. So the coach, is the coach likely to have several running backs going at any given time? Is the coach normally likely to have a bell cow like like maybe Tomlin with Pittsburgh? Or is he more like uh, the Indianapolis coach, um, uh, uh, Frank Reich, where, where he normally has a running back by committee? Um, so you have to factor several different things to get a feel for the level of opportunities that each player is going to have. Because at the end of the day, sometimes in fantasy, talent does not outweigh opportunity. You can have someone who's not as good as someone else, but because maybe they got 20 more carries, um, 30 more carries in the season, or maybe they got two, three, four more carries on average per game. They were able to overtake what the more talented person was able to do. So, and that's something else that we'll take a look at um, a little bit later on. But that's the fantasy guard system. Um, tell them a little bit about depth chart. Um, explain a little bit about how that's important. 
Well, it's definitely important uh, when you're picking these players. You definitely don't want a guy that's stuck in a committee um, because there's not going to be any consistency to his touches. Uh, you don't want a guy that's going to go in and maybe get five carries this week and the next week get eight and then maybe back to five and then maybe ten this week. You definitely want to go with someone that's um, – I like to go with the lone guy. You know what I mean? The, the, mm-hmm. We have kind of gotten away from the three-down bat in the NFL, but I'll try to go with the guy that's closer to the three-down bat that's kind of the lone ranger on this team versus going with uh, guys that's stuck in the committee. Uh, just a little more consistent from week to week as far as the points I'm going to be bringing in. Um, now, those guys in the committee, they're, also, they're good to have maybe on your bench because if an injury happens, then they can very well jump to that that role where they're not sharing as much. Uh, so that's really my take when it comes to, to picking uh, – running backs and things at that position when it comes to that depth. I mean, that, that definitely makes a whole lot of sense. Um, one thing to look at this year um, that I'm kind of considering, and I want you to give me your opinion on it, how does the fact that now we now have a 17-game season, uh, would you better would you be better off now with uh, the best running back of a committee because they're probably going to actually last the whole season? How do you weigh that versus okay? Okay, I'll give you an example. Um, so let's say a Joe Mixon. A Joe Mixon has the backfield essentially to himself. Right. However, he couldn't stay healthy when it was only seventeen weeks of football. Now right. it's eighteen weeks of football. Right. What's the likelihood of me spending a higher pick, but then being high and dry? Unless I ride them for the first few weeks, which is normally my strategy, uh, ride them for the first few weeks and then get rid of them before what normally happens happens. Well, with, with Gio Bernard gone, the coach definitely want to get mixing on the field on all three downs. So, of course, that's been music to all these fantasy owners' ears. But uh, is that good? <laughs> I, I think you. I think you still take a chance on Joe Mixon, but you definitely want to make sure you have the handcuff. So, Andy, a lot of these situations with the extra week of football. Uh, injury probably will, you know, maybe come into play. Uh, you definitely want to have the backup just in case as a security blanket. But now the only issue with that, and I don't want to go too far off, but and I, and I know we're going to do this several times on the show. Y'all just get ready for it. So my only issue with that is sometimes it's better off not having the handcuff. And the reason I say that is for the first, give or take, three to four weeks, you don't expect that person to get hurt anyway. It's going to happen. Somebody's going to get hurt. I understand mm-hmm. that. Don't hear what I'm not saying. But you can normally have value players on the end of your bench versus handcuffs, which means that that, only, that person is only valuable to you at that point in the game unless the person in front of them gets hurt. But when you have those value guys that aren't handcuffs on your bench, it makes it easier to trade. So now when I make a trade and I maybe give you a, you know, a nice starting wide receiver and then this nice upside running back that was on my bench for a Eva for for a um, for a game breaking wide receiver, if you will, that opens up a spot on my bench for me to now backfield with the handcuff to the guy that normally gets hurt come midseason versus drafting that person um, early on and then not having any additional trade capital. So th- that's right. my thought process as far as, and I agree with you, hand- handcuffs, when you get to a certain point of the season, 
they're vital to have just because there are no more starters on the waiver. Um, there, there's not really going to be any more, you know, um, breakouts, if you will, from people that we didn't see coming once you get to a certain part of the season. And that's when I start grabbing up handcuffs or making trades for handcuffs and things of that nature. What is, but, what is the thing? Like, I don't think you have a handcuff for every running back on your team. But if you're, going, if you're going to spend your first round or second round pick on a running back, you might want to have the handcuff to that player because these are the at least the t first tier or second tier players in the league. So to kind of like go off what you said, so let's say Joe Mixon does get hurt. Yeah, you may have some guys you think on the bench that's more valuable, but look at the value now that I have in this handcuff. My, my handcuff has just became more valuable because a lot of people see it as, okay, wow, Joe Mixon was having a good season, and now this is the guy he's going to jump in Joe Mixon role. Mm -hmm. He may do the same thing. So I have value in that. So I could very well trade my handcuff now. So that's true. It, so, you know, but, you, but, you, your, your handcuff can definitely come in as a starter, maybe for your team, or you mm -hmm. actually can maybe move him for somebody maybe struggling that was a higher value player, as you call it. You know what I mean? Maybe it's, the, maybe it's four weeks in, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe uh, Ezekiel Elliott is not playing so well. And the owner, he's tired of him. My man got hurt. I got this handcuff. He looks promising. Maybe this guy might be more inclined to give me Ezekiel Elliott for him. You just never know. So I'm making very well trade my way back into a high value player for this bench player that I had. You see what I'm saying? So you but that's, how it goes. But but the only issue with that is that's assuming that your first, second, third round pick or whoever it may be your higher pick, um, your starter, has to get hurt. So what I'm saying is if if you fill that spot with a guy that can take over without an injury, such as, i.e., a Michael Carter, like take for instance, your Michael Carter and your Gus Edwards aren't going that far apart from each other. But mm -hmm. if I'm the Dobbins owner, I'd rather have Michael Carter on my bench because – Carter, I may be able to trade week one, week two versus having to wait six weeks if if and when Dobbins gets hurt. But right. when I trade Carter, that opens up a spot and now I can backfill with Gus Edwards with, with little to no capital. So that's the only thing I'm saying. I, I like to fill in the very beginning, at least I like to fill my bench with players that can take over a role or players that I'll know after week one if they're going to be what I thought they were going to be, because the worst thing to have is that middle of the road Wiley vet that's going to get you the three yards and a cloud of dust and the name is too big to drop. So you feel apprehensive about that, but you have no upside again. It's not the, it's, it, you didn't follow the fantasy system. He's not a game breaker. There's no upside. Um, the, the role is iffy. Um, so when you find yourself in that position, it's much more difficult to make that ad drop. And you let that person that you know in your heart of hearts, you should have picked up off a waiver. You let them stay there and somebody else pick them up versus saying, okay, I got, um, for instance, I got um, Gage from the Falcons as the, the last pick of my draft. I'm going to know after week one whether or not he's getting targets. If he is, I'm going to keep him. If not, whoever I found to be my, my waiver pickup for week one, that's who I'm dropping. I don't want to go into waiver season, if you will, and not already know who I'm dropping. 
because mm-hmm. then you have that decision and depending on how your waivers go if you in a system like like you and i are sharks in you might only have about 30 45 seconds to make a decision you ain't got right. all that time to do all that hemming and hawing so you need to already know because i may have already had my eye on that person and some news drop and now you hemming and hawing the next thing you know i don't already picked them up so it's it's vital that you already have a plan in your mind's eye of how that's going to work but that's the fantasy guard system that's how we make our choices as far as draft picks as far as waiver wire picks as far as trading is concerned that's our system that's what we go by you're going to hear a whole lot about it and now we're going to dig a little bit deeper into a few choice subjects Uh, we know drafting is right around the corner and one of the questions that I always hear from everyone is, okay, well, how do you have the perfect draft? Or how do you make sure that you don't mess up your season in the draft? Um, and there are some pretty easy best practices, if you will, that you can kind of use as guidelines to make sure that you come up with the best team possible, no matter what your draft position is. However, before we start talking about the actual players and draft strategies, there's a couple of things that we have to discuss um, as far as draft types or league types, if you will, uh, various things that settings within your league that can determine how it is you want to go about drafting. Um, so, Barry, what are a couple of those things that um, kind of make the top of your list of things to consider uh, before you even come up with your draft strategy? Well, before I come up with my draft strategy, number one, I'm, I'm trying to figure out the number of teams. Uh, of course, the roster spot. So what I mean, is this a one-quarterback league? Is this a two-quarterback league? Uh, exactly where am I positioned in this draft? I'm at the top of the draft. I'm at the back of the draft. And, um, of course, like I said, PPR, standard scoring, all these things Absolutely. pretty much matter um, when it comes to selecting your players. And are there... Would you say that there are rules of thumbs if you're at the beginning of the draft? I know you mentioned draft position. If you're at the beginning of the draft versus the end of the draft, um, does that change your mindset? Or how does that change your mindset? For sure. I think when you're at the top of the draft, you definitely want to get best available. Uh, and the position definitely matters. When you're at the top of the draft, I think you're more inclined to take running backs. Um, when you're at the back of the draft, I think you could take the zero running back strategy uh, more um, than than someone picking at the front. So we at the top, you definitely want to get best available on the board. I think running back is always the better position to get. That's just my, my opinion. I agree too, Bob. One of the other things that I think kind of lends itself to the running back position is when you have the larger amounts of teams in the league. Um, we know that, you know, wide receiver quarterback um that they're pretty deep so if you're in a 12 14 16 team league once you get out of that about third round the running backs start to look pretty sketchy if you don't for sure really know what you're doing at. so for sure for sure um, i think it's the the safer route to take um to to go ahead and get that uh that lockdown RB in most instances. But like you said, if you're at the back end of the draft, things kind of change because then you start looking at, okay, what's the value of the person here? 
in comparison to okay who's the running back that's left for me to draft so correct that's two different schools of thoughts you may have the best wide receiver on the board at the back end of the draft while you're picking while you're looking at now the sixth seventh eighth best running back so agree um and many times you can, you know, get the best wide receiver and then turn right around and get the, you know, the ninth best running back instead of the seventh best running back. Like right. they really do. So sometimes you have to look at that value over the replacement. Um, but yeah, when we're looking at team construction, one of the other things too is the rosters themselves. So standardly speaking, you have uh, one quarterback, you have two running backs, three wide receivers, a tight end, a defense, and a kicker. Um, that's that's the norm. But then when you introduce flex spots or when you introduce additional wide receiver or running back spots, that's going to determine the total amount. If you look at uh, dividing between the total amount of teams, like, say, for instance, if you're in a two quarterback league mm-hmm. and you have 12 teams, well, that means that if every team only gets two quarterbacks, you are all the way down to quarterback 25 as your third QB. Right. So you might actually want to invest in that position a little bit earlier, which would be the exact opposite advice I would give you if you were in a super flex or a one QB league, which would be to hold off as long as you possibly can, because the value over the replacement again, there isn't that much of a difference as it is with your top tier running backs and wide receiver. So for instance, um, we know Patrick Mahomes, um, you know, he, top notch, right? So he's probably going to average somewhere, but somewhere around 26 to 28 points per week. Um, but that's your first pick in the first round uh, or, or somewhere in the top of the first round. Um, if you're going to end up getting that guy, but Kirk cousins is going to average somewhere around 22 to 23 points. Right. Um, on most occasions. So you're only missing out on somewhere that on average of about five points to whereas your top running back, let's say if you had a guy in Christian McCaffrey with that first pick, he's going to get about 10 to 12 points higher than um, a person that you would have picked later on um, to, to take care of that running back spot. So the value over the replacement or the value over the next guy um, right. It's clear and apparent with your top-notch running back. So, right. um, and there's there's not really as much separation with wide receiver either. Um, but the strategies themselves, um, you mentioned a little bit earlier, zero RB. Explain a little bit um, to the the people that are new to fantasy what that concept means. Well, the zero RB it pretty much means like uh, for the first uh, several rounds you just you're not even looking at running back. You're trying to fill all your other uh, skill positions, your quarterback, different things like that. I think this strategy comes in better when you are picking at the back and also when it's a definitely a two-quarterback league. I, I definitely like this this uh, this one a lot better. Um, like we mentioned earlier, you got the Christian McCaffrey's, the Dalvin Cooks of the world, the Derrick Henry's. If you go zero running back, you maybe can uh, get a lot more value like in receivers. You may have very strong receivers, a very strong tight end, a very strong quarterback. But the way I look at the game is, okay, hmm, let me find a running back that can get me 80 yards in a touchdown, 60 yards in a touchdown. That's still 12 points. That's still 14 points. You know, so 
when you go zero running back, you can you can be picking the 23rd, 24th best running back and still get that. You still got the, the Kareem Hunts of the world, uh, the Damian Harris's of the world. And these guys can very well get 100 yards and touchdown on any given week. Completely so, agree. You know what I mean? So I, I definitely like the zero running back strategy because I like to – I think running back is one of the positions that's a lot closer when it comes to the very top to the very bottom. For that reason, because even Derrick Henry going to have weeks where he only has 90 yards and touchdown. Right. You can have James White can do that. 90 total yards and touchdown. So I think it's a lot closer. I think with wide receivers, a bigger gap when you have uh, Devontae Adams in comparison to Emmanuel Sanders. I think from week to week, it's going to be a bigger gap at receiver than running back. So that's why I always take the zero running back strategy when it comes to picking my players for my team. Now I'm gonna challenge that that um, that thought process in just a second here. But first, I want to introduce a strategy that lends itself to that same idea of zero RB, and it's the rookie load-up strategy. So every year, what I tend to do, because of what you just said, as far as being able to find running backs later on, a lot of times people are skeptical to get rookie running backs. But if you look at your mm-hmm. history rookie running backs there's always a few of them that um perform above average you have to look oh, at the sure. situation um you have to look at their skill set where they are on the depth chart right and we'll be talking about you know various things to look at when you're when you're um when you're drafting in just a second as far as our drafting system is concerned but your rookie load up um, you can get your Javante Williams, your right. Michael, Michael Carter, Carter's for sure, your Trey Sermon. Your, yeah. I mean, there, there's a lot of those guys that you can get later on, like close to, um, you know, mid, like six, seven, eight, um, uh, eighth rounds, just depending on who we're talking about. Right. Um, and those guys can very well take over. Um, right. But that, for, but that, but. But that falls into the zero running back strategy. Absolutely. You know so what I mean? that, that's yeah. what I'm saying. It lends it's, it, it, sure. it's a good um, pairing, if you will. If you right. want to go zero RB versus getting your um, David Johnsons of the world and versus getting your Melvin Gordons of the world, get these guys that there was draft capital spent on that mm. the coaches put their name on. When, when a coach puts their name, whenever you whenever you're drafting, you got to understand that 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 coaches and GMs. That's finite position. So whenever they draft someone, that's putting their stamp of approval. They're saying that, hey, I think this guy can make it. So when you have that in a rookie, especially at running back, because running backs don't normally get that, okay, you get to learn year. That doesn't happen with running backs. That happens with, you know, some quarterbacks, happens with some wide receivers, but it, it never happens with running backs if they had um, high draft capital. So what ends up happening is – they're going to get their opportunity to prove the coach and GM right. So your worst case scenario with that rookie and what you normally end up seeing is once you get to week four, week five, or right after that bye week, they start shining because the whole plan was for them to develop the role. Like when you have somebody like a Javante Williams and you understand Melvin Gordon's contract situation, it's the last year in his contract, they got to get – Javante Williams is ready to be the running back. Right. You can't do that by not giving him the ball. Correct. So um your your rookie load up is is another one of those um draft strategies if you're gonna go um with the zero RB approach. And even if you aren't going zero RB, maybe you want to get um 
you know, maybe you pick at the beginning of the draft and you you went ahead and you grabbed that Christian McCaffrey, but because it's so far in between your picks, your next few picks are going to be your um your, your your wide receivers, your quarterbacks, things of that nature. You might not go back to running back for some time. Yeah. So when you do go back, um, maybe it's not this, like I said the zero RB approach, but maybe it's the let me get my stud and then I'll fill in everything else. Um, you know, I like I like that RB. approach too. But that approach only I think fits when you're picking near the top when you can get the stud. Because if you're in a 16 team league or 14 team league, man, look how many picks come between the next time you, you get just got to get a running back. <laughs> like, just get yeah. what's there. Yeah, you got to get one of those, and then hopefully, you know. Whenever that time comes for you to pick again, something comes back to you. But uh, I, I definitely agree with you on that one. That definitely fits. Now, one of the other strategies that I've been kind of mock drafting a lot um, this offseason has been the heavy RB approach. Um, and the reason for that is, and we've already seen it, um, Cam Akers is already going down. He was a projected um, back of the first round, early second round pick. Um, and the thing with running backs is they don't come – a, a dime a dozen what ends up happening is if you end up with the injury or if someone else ends up with the injury you have trade bait that now you can get a slightly lesser running back plus something else um because you had that that, that additional uh asset if you will sitting on your bench so the heavy rb approach i i think kind of gives you a little bit of leeway to essentially say, well, we know the quarterback, so the value of a replacement isn't going to be that much. So your top-notch and your middle-of-the-road quarterbacks are going to be right about the same. So let me go ahead and hold off on that. I see wide receivers that I absolutely love all the way down deep into the fourth and fifth rounds. And then even at the end of drafts, there's – uh, sleepers or, or potential breakouts that I can see um, that are still there on the waiver. So in, in my humble opinion, and like I said, I was going to disagree with you in a second from what you said earlier. Right. In my humble opinion, wide receiver is so deep that, yes, the top notch or the top notch, but you you can literally pick up a wide receiver off of the waiver every week if you know what you're doing, and that can be your wide receiver three, and you'll be just fine. So I really don't – I don't I, – I want to get that top – Your wide receiver wide, three, yes, but what about your wide receiver two? Right. I agree there. That's why I said I want, I want to get my top notch uh, or as close to top notch as possible. But the other thing about that too is, in my opinion – Top notch isn't just who can get me the highest of the high. Top notch is consistency. I'd rather have the guy that I know is going to get me uh, 16 points a week in a PPR league versus mm -hmm. the guy that's going to get me six points one week and going to get me 26 points, uh, you know, two weeks later. Like, uh, right. for instance, I'd rather have a – I would rather not have a Tyler Lockett than a Deontay Johnson, for instance. Although they're in proximity of each other, in my opinion, I'd rather have the guy that I know is going to get the targets that I know has a higher floor as my wide receiver too than the guy that's going to have weeks where it's boom and bust. And by the time he gets to his boom week, 
you become frustrated and you set him because he had two or three bus weeks. How about so, how, how about we do a bigger uh, the gap than that? That's a little close. Let's think about DeAndre Hopkins and Michael Pittman Jr. I mean, the difference in those guys from week to week. That's when you, Michael Pittman Jr. may have a game where he has 20 points, but then the next couple of weeks is going to be four and five and I three agree. and eight. So that's why I think the wide receiver has a bigger gap in production as far as fantasy points than the running back position. It does. However, let me counter that point. Because you also <laughs> have to look at the fact that, okay, you're looking at uh, a Hopkins, that's going to cost you a second-round pick. Well, in my humble opinion – I'll wait on Scary Terry in the fourth, and I think he's going to get me comparable points. So I can get a player whose mm-hmm. name might not be as big as another player, but his game is as big. So, again, in that wide receiver category, I don't think you, I don't think you get a shoot that. I don't, I don't think you get a Scary Terry in the fourth. I mean, he's considered a top 10, he's, he's ranked like a top 10 receiver right now. You really think you so, get somebody of that caliber in the, in the fourth round? Well, the mocks that I've been doing is for the draft that our league is about to do in a few weeks. So mm-hmm. I've been specifically focusing on that. So the thing right. about that league is is super flex. So in plenty of the, uh, oh, yeah. mocks, you know, you got a lot of quarterbacks going out. Right. And per normal, you got a lot of running backs going just in, because it's a standard league as well. Right. Um, so in those cases, wide receivers tend to be dwarfed and get pushed back. Um in standard leagues Correct. so i honestly believe he'll be there because people are going to go after qb and rb in their first couple of picks a lot of people in that particular league won't be um drafting their first wide receiver until round three but if we're mm-hmm. looking at the average league um let's say if we're looking at the, most leagues nowadays are ppr that's that's kind of the standard mm-hmm. um I wish I can get y'all to go ahead and make that change. We'll talk about that later. Um, <laughs> but, but in um, with 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 the PPR league, um, it's even less of a gap in my opinion because I can get a guy like Keenan Allen who's going to get twelve targets a game, and I can get him in in that same similar territory somewhere around the fourth or fifth round. Versus having to spend that first, second round capital on Hopkins. But I'm getting a wide receiver that's comparable. But I was able to go ahead and get that running back that we just discussed that we needed at the beginning. Or that top notch. If you wanted to be the one that, you know, got the Mahomes or got the uh, Lamar Jackson of the world or the Kyler Murrays of the world. If you wanted to be the one that went that route, which I don't necessarily suggest. But if you went that route, you can. There's still a lot of wide receivers that you can get later on that'll be comparable to your to your uh, upper echelon wide receivers. Right in a PPR, most definitely, what you're saying is 100 percent correct. In a PPR league, I'm definitely running back heavy on the draft. If I have a, if I'm in a PPR league with a flex spot, I'm definitely trying to grab all the running backs I can grab, and I'll definitely uh, take the hit at wide receiver because you can't get those guys. That's going to get you the, you know, six to seven maybe catches, in a few yards, you know, near the back end of the draft. So I agree with you when it comes to something like that, when the PPR. But in the standard league, it's not even close. I agree. Um, that that's one of those things that you you have to make sure you pay attention to your league type. Right. You also have to make sure that you're paying attention to your point system. 
um, because you may have maybe if it's a two point deduction for every interception versus a one point deduction. I may want to go ahead and get quarterback a little bit earlier because some of those quarterbacks that are on the back end, if it's only one point for a one point deduction for interception, I can roll with your your three interception days and it doesn't kill me. But to lose six points from a guy that's only going to score twenty three, right. now now I'm hit. Now, now you're getting wide receiver points instead of quarterback points. So. Um, making sure you're looking at the point system. Um, if it's not a PPR, you're going to want to prioritize, like you said, that wide receiver position a little bit more because now you're going to be a little bit more, uh, and also if it's standard, um, you're going to be a little bit more touchdown dependent. So I want that guy who consistently year over year gets those touchdowns. Um, touchdown, they they aren't a sticky stat. Um, what I mean by that is they're hard to predict year over year. But you can look at a person's consistency and their relationship with the offense and with the quarterback and kind of have a relative idea of where about they should end up. Or Mm -hmm. most importantly, in my opinion, the amount of opportunities they're going to have. So in many cases, I'll look at the amount of targets or the amount of time, the percentage that you are on the field, um, more so than I'll look at what your your point output was um, because that, that can be kind of tricky, but if you're out there and they're throwing you the ball or they're giving you uh, carries, then those touches are valuable. Um, so and one other thing that we were just, we've kind of been hinting at, but we didn't go full fledged into the late QB strategy. Now this mm-hmm. isn't anything new. This is, um, I mean, pretty much the entire fantasy industry um, talks about the, the the late QB strategy. But let's actually deep dive into why that strategy is so effective. Um, if I'm the average fantasy player, you may hear something like, well, why would I not want to get Patrick Mahomes when he's probably going to have more fantasy points than anybody else in fantasy? Right. How do you answer that question? Again, uh, it goes back to when I was talking about the gap. Um, yeah, Patrick Mahomes is the number one ranked quarterback in fantasy. Um, and he could very well be the leader in all points. But then you have a guy like, let's say, Ben Roethlisberger, who's like the 21st ranked quarterback. What is really going to be the difference in points between these two guys? I mean, Roethlisberger every year is a 4,000-yard passing uh, quarterback. Sometimes pushing five, you know, he's he, he's always in that four to five thousand uh, yard range. You know, they're going to uh, toss it around a, a ton. So, I mean, like I, and he's tw- like he's 21st rank. So if you're in a 10, 12, 14 uh, team league, this is a quarterback that very well may be undrafted. Right. Or you could pick with maybe your very last pick and still you're going to get high quality production out of that position. So I would rather fill out the rest of my, my roster with value at running back, receiver, and just wait. Just don't even draft a quarterback. Just wait to the very end and get one. And I'll be fine with rolling Ben Roethlisberger out there from week to week, as long as he's healthy on the field. And that makes a whole lot of sense. Um, if you're looking at a one QB league, um, like you said, they're going to be there's going to be quarterbacks that are on the waiver that you can literally pick up and start for sure so it's again value over replacement if there's literally um your fitzpatrick's of the world your 
Winston or Hill, whichever one of them ends up being the, the starter. Um, who else? Um, let's say you're uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, uh, Jerry Golf. I mean, there you, you go. Have these guys, and you can very well stream them. Whoever's right. going against the the, they, the easiest defense that there we, you go. That's who you get. There you go. But now <laughs> let's look at the opposite of that. Let's say you need a running back. Mm-hmm. They're going to be gems on the waiver, but you're going to be rolling the dice. You aren't going to have any guaranteed value at that position trying to find a starter literally on the waiver. So what that tells you is you should be looking for your your known factors as it pertains to running back, as it pertains to wide receiver prior to looking at quarterback because no matter how far i won't say no matter how far but until we get pretty far down the list with qb you have pretty productive um pretty stable quarterbacks um you can look at the schedules you can look at the divisions things of that nature to kind of get a feel for who might be the most consistent but maybe you get two three quarterbacks Instead of the one that the person, you know, with Patrick Mahomes or Lamar, whoever gets, and then you kind of figure out who's going to be that rest of the year guy. Right. Um, but one position that we really haven't mentioned much, and this definitely has to go into the draft strategy conversation, tight end. <laughs> um, so, man, tight, tight end runs the gamut for me. I'm going to be honest with you. It, it, it really just depends on – Who's there when I'm ready to pick a tight end? Right. Um, it's it's funny, right? Tight end is one of those positions where it's not sexy. You, you a lot of people pick it very late, but man, you talking about a gap? That's the definitely the biggest gap in fantasy football is the the top tier tight ends and then the rest of the league. I agree. <laughs> so, but but he, but but here's the other here's the other school of thought. Uh, it's also normally the only position in fantasy that you only have to fill one of. So unlike your running back, your wide receiver, where you literally have to trot out two, three, four right. every week, your 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 tight end might be that one position that you're willing to punt because of the fact that well, I'd rather have all of my other ducks in a row versus right. knocking out tight end and now being suspect that running back three and wide receiver three um, because I also got a quarterback too early as well. So that's mm-hmm. if if you don't pay attention, you mess around and get an early tight end and an early quarterback, you better know what you're doing because <laughs> your, your depth is going to run out real quick at wide receiver. And running back. Right. Um, but to play devil's advocate, I'm also going to say this. Because of how deep wide receiver is, right? Let's let's look at football like it's basketball for just a second, right? We're in the the day and age of no position basketball, right? What if you looked at fantasy as no position fantasy? What I mean by that is if by the time you're getting ready to pick your wide receiver one, if there's a tight end available, who's likely to score as much or outscore the wide receiver that's available to you. Uh, for example, your uh, Wallers of the world. Right. Um, possibly um, Hawkinson with the amount of targets that I think that he may end up getting. Uh, but just those type of tight ends that are actually going to score wide receiver points, mm-hmm. if you look at it as 
positions to fill and trying to get the highest amount of average points versus saying, oh, man, my wide receiver one isn't great. Okay, yeah, but you have another pass catcher that's better than any of your other pass catchers. That's the way I look at Kelsey. That's the way I look at Kittle. That's the way I look at Waller. Um, And and there are a couple others that may be coming um, down the pike. Um, If Zach Ertz gets traded, um, I think Goddard will come a little bit further up my board uh, because he should get a decent amount of targets. It's not looking like he's going to get traded, though. Well... (laughs) I'm what I've been hoping reading. that um that, that he, Goddard will still be a, a thing regardless. Because even with him being there, Goddard still was able to, you know, get his shine. So we'll kind of see how that works out. But, uh, I'm t- it's one of those things, man. It, 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 You know, tight end, like I said, is one of those positions where people tend to punt, right? Uh, they don't really pick it up till I – mean, it's down there with the kicker and the defense. I mean, to be honest, people feel they can wait late to get it. But man, you talking about getting your feelings hurt when you, you know how you you you're looking at your matchup from week to week, and that part you, you look at <laughs> you look at your quarterback, their quarterback. Okay, I'm in the game. They're running backs. They're running back. I'm in the game. Their receiver. Their receiver. I'm in the game. And then you look and you got Irv Smith Jr. or Mike Jacecki. He got you two or three points, and this guy got Kelsey. He got you twenty six. You like shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're yeah. Like, oh. Man. Yeah, but 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 the hope is, I gotta go. Okay, so 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 let's run that scenario, right? So so then my hope would be, is that I got a uh, a Saquon Barkley in the pick just before um, you pick Kelsey, and maybe Saquon went off for thirty. So I'm looking at my best player versus your best player versus looking at the quote-unquote matchups themselves. So that's what I mean by um, no position fantasy. Like, I'm I, whoever my best player is, I need them to outscore your best player. Who, whoever, um, whatever the largest amount of point configuration I can come up with, that's what I need to happen. I don't even worry about what the other team is doing. That, that's inconsequential. I make no decision based on um, – what the other team is doing, but you actually brought up something that kind of rounds out the um, draft strategy segment, kickers and defenses. Mm-hmm. Um, the conventional for, first of all, I'm all for getting rid of them um, in, in leagues, just in general, because they, <laughs> they, they shouldn't be um, deciding factors. And in, in, in come on, really. man, they, they're players too, man. They're part of the game. Come on, man. Don't do the kickers like that. I get that, but they shouldn't get as many points as a freaking quarterback. Yeah. Like, that, don't, that don't make sense. Like I, I'm just saying like, Oh, so, so, so my kicker outscored your running back and that's how I beat you. Like, like yeah, yeah. Like, this is what it is. But yeah. with that being the case, the thing that you have to take into account is the conventional wisdom is wait to your last two picks to get your kicker and defense. Right. And that's always been my judgment call. Um, but I'm, 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 I'm thinking about things slightly differently this year, just based on a few things that I saw last year. So with your kicker and your defense, um, especially with your defense, um, with your kicker bar an injury, that's a set it and forget it position. Right. So what I tend to find is around mid-season, you know how you were saying, like you're comparing your guys against theirs and you, know, right. you go down to this, boom, 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 boom. 
that guy that don't know shit about fantasy got a kicker in the 12th round just to fill out his roster because all the other positions were filled and he wasn't thinking about death. And now Tucker and Young Hoku and Buckner and all these guys are putting their foot in your ass every week um, with these guys that shouldn't be winning. So it's from what I looked at, right? Once you get to um, just depending on how many rounds are in your draft, right? If you get your defense and your kicker and still have, let's say, two picks left, the difference in the caliber of wide receiver and running back, and even maybe your, you know, your last quarterback, if you will, if you have multiple quarterbacks um, in your particular league type, there isn't that much of a difference. Um, so if I can get a guy that I can just set it and forget it. And he's going to outpoint the person next to me more weeks than not versus getting a guy that I'm probably going to end up dropping with my first week or second week waiver pickup anyway. I'd rather have the guy that I can set it and forget it versus having to figure something out every week and thinking that I've figured out a formula to kind of tell me when a kicker is going to be good. There are certain teams that every year their kicker's good because they get to the red zone and can't do shit, i.e. the Atlanta Falcons. They get to the red zone a lot. And young Hoku won me some weeks. So um, your your Tuckers with the Ravens, um, they get to the red zone a lot. Sometimes they can't punch it in. Tucker Tucker can hit a a 50-yard fit. And also, again, look at your scoring. Some some leagues you get a ridiculous amount of po- you, you might get what amounts to a touchdown for a fifty yard field goal. That's right. ridiculous. Even a but 60, if that's the point system. Even a sixty yard field goal in some leagues, man, it's like a bonus. You know, but that's the point system. So if you know your point system, you take advantage of it. But what just happened is your kicker just scored you a touchdown. Right. You so know, why think, would I not want that guy? If, if I can get touchdowns from my kicker, really? Absolutely. I'm all for it. Well, the problem with that is uh, the more casual player, that whole set it and forget it, I don't really like that because I, I've seen guys in leagues where they get a kicker and they set it and it's the same kicker all year long. He's not doing anything. He's having a bad season. But that's their kick, and they got them out there. And the same thing for a defense. They got a they got a defense, and they set it, and they just forget it. Me myself, personally, I'm more of a streamer when it comes to kicking and defenses. I don't I don't care. I, I flip them every week. I'm all about the whoever the matchup is. If your starting quarterback is down, and you got a rookie quarterback going, I'm going with that defense that's going against them. You know what I mean? So I stream from week to week when it comes to kickers and defense because to me, I'm not the guy that's going to just set. Uh, uh, one of these top-notch kickers like Gakowski or whatever, and just mm-hmm. say, "Hey, this is my, I'm riding with him all year." Now, and that's definitely nah. a, a, a viable strategy. Right. But the difference is, you're talking about somebody that's been. How, how, uh, you've been in the game how long now? I'm probably like 12, 13 years in. Okay, so I, I, I think I started playing fantasy football in like 2001, 2002. Right. So the amount of experience that we have in the game is quite a bit different for sure. than many. So there's many that like me for sure. 
the way I and then, you you know that you know that Absolutely. by playing with me. You know, I, there's there's not many players like me. Nah. Nobody. I, I'm I'm a drop sign, drop sign, drop sign all week long if I can. You know what I mean? Um, but to to back to your point when it comes to the kickers, I definitely go for the kickers that that has those quarterbacks that have a time punching it in because mm-hmm. you, you definitely like those teams that have trouble in the red zone because they're gonna run a kicker out there, and you definitely want to get a kicker that's good from fifty. If you, that's, if you can get one that's good from fifty, hey, and a team that can't punch it in, hey. One thing like the and I, I like teams with high power offenses, but then again that could hurt you because when you get a like the kick if you, you get, Buckner, get that one point one correct point, if you get one Buckner, point my homes they get touchdowns right they, they're not getting field goals so you get one point out of the deal so I I, I definitely see that you know but look, I'm and I'm 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 gonna throw this one out there just because we're talking about kickers at the moment a person like a I think. Uh, is is Prater still the kicker for Detroit? Uh, I'm not sure if he's the kicker this year. Uh, let's see. Whoever the Detroit kicker is, um, a team like that, they probably gonna get across the fifty. Uh, they, they probably gonna get to the forty. Well, um, they got Randy Bullock this year. Bullock, okay. And um, so, okay, so Bullock, for example, that guy's probably not gonna be drafted. Um, oh, right. But his team is going to get to about the forty yard line and stall out many, 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 many times this year. Right. Trust me. So that's a guy that if you want to go with the well, let me just see what's what. That's a guy that I would start out with because I know for certain that they aren't going to be putting up touchdowns like that. And he also like I like to go with kids that are cooking in indoors. You know, what I mean? yeah, that's, that's also. Uh, a thing you want to look at too when it comes to drafting. Or if you can't be indoors, get somebody in the AFC South. I mean, not the AFC South, the uh, NFC South, where it's either going to be domes or they're going to be in Florida or Georgia or somewhere like that. It's not going to be wind. It's not going to be rain. It's not going to be snow. None of all that stuff. Right. One of my favorite kickers with not the sexier name is like uh, the the Colts kicker, Blankenship. Absolutely. Like a a guy like that, you know. So that's actually in light of the current news with Carson Wentz. Right. That's another team that's going to be just like the Lions on offense as far as they're going to get to the promised land. They're just not going to be able to cross over. Right. Um, so that's another guy that you don't have to use. You can wait until you're, you know, second to last pick. And right. then with with defense, I really like to get a, a, a decent defense, that a, a historically good defense. What I mean by that is, it doesn't have to be the number one defense on the board, but I want it to be a defensive system who year in, year out, they're productive as far as fantasy points are concerned. So your New England's of the world, your Pittsburgh's of the world, um, your Ravens, um, your uh, Indianapolis actually for the last couple of years has been really good. When San Francisco isn't hurt, they have a good defense. Um, your um, – the the Washington football team, they have a great defense. Like teams teams of that yeah. nature, um, who have their stu- uh, the Rams. Um, Seattle was that team for many years. Um, but the teams that have those that that have their studs on the defensive side and they depend on their defense um, to make their team go. I like having those defenses because there's a baseline of. Uh, fumbles, interceptions, 
TD returns. Um, g- give me the team that has that standout cornerback that that seems to at least two or three times a year take it back to the house. Right. Um, because on any given week that I might just need those extra points <laughs> and they come out of nowhere, that may be where they come from. So I'm always going to be looking at upside. And we're going to talk about how um, as a part of draft strategy, you also want to look at uh, the system in which you draft with. Um, so we'll get into that in just a couple seconds here. Um, but what else about draft strategy directly do you want to address? What about draft value? Let's talk about draft value. Okay, draft values. Uh, well, you were speaking on the uh, rookie running back situation uh, some minutes ago, and I think this is one of those positions where you see the biggest value in drafting. Um, a lot of times when I watch the NFL draft, uh, I'm paying attention to these different teams, the different coordinators, and when they pick their guy to be the running back and different things like that, those are the the teams I pay attention to. Um, So definitely, like a 49ers this year, any team that Shanahan is coaching, I'm paying attention to who the running back is. Any coach that's under the Shanahan Shanahan umbrella, I'm paying attention to. So let's say, for instance, you got – the, the defensive coordinator from the 49ers has uh, went over to the Jets, correct? He brought a lot of those guys with him over there. So I feel like uh, those same running back, well, that same kind of system will follow him there. So I like a guy like Michael Carter, Trey Sermon. Uh, I think these guys are very valuable at, at that position as far as rookies. I completely agree. Um, but let me ask you this. Um, you mentioned the 49ers system. Um, so what about the other end of that spectrum of, yeah, whoever's the starter is going to get some shine. But how the heck am I supposed to know who the starter is? I, I got to have most start, Wayne Gallman, Trey Sermon, uh, well, Jeff Wilson, and Elijah, I think Elijah Moore. I think well, if if you follow if you follow certain you know, certain teams, uh, you you get an idea on who's the guy. Well, number one, these guys, like with Shanahan, this guy was handpicked. He didn't uh, inherit any of these guys. This is a guy that he actually chose. Um, when you got guys like Mostert, who's had an injury history, mm-hmm. um, Wilson, he's more of a you know really a couple yards in a cloud of dust type of running back. So it's like when you get you, it kind of sticks out. You kind of know. I mean, because I just know the game of football, so it's maybe easy for me to to pick it out. But um, man, just just pay attention. Uh, read read what the beat writers are talking about. They'll let you know who's pretty much separating themselves in practice and things like True. that. Absolutely. But you, follow you, the beat writers on Twitter. That, for that sure. is a godsend. You know what I mean? So. But you definitely, whatever running backs are in these type of systems, these zone run scheme systems, you they they definitely going to see uh, running lanes and 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 have usually are really good running backs when it comes to fantasy football. So, what about <laughs> quarterback or wide receiver values in the draft this year? Well, with quarterback value, again. Not not rookies, but as far as value, 
like I said, we talked about before. Actually, I wouldn't necessarily rule out rookies because I think there's some quarterback values with the rookies too. But go ahead. I think it's going to be a few that have some, you know, some good weeks. But we talking about in a one quarterback league, and you talking about value. Ben Roethlisberger. I mean, this is a guy you know from. He's usually a top five finish when it comes to fantasy points at quarterback. I mean, a lot of people maybe don't pay attention, but from year to year, this guy's throwing over 4,000 yards, and he's usually a top five finisher in fantasy. Um, I like Carson Wentz this year. He that MVP, even though he just got injured. I was about to say, even with the, cause yeah. so, so at this point, we, we're not even for certain when he's going to be back. And the thing, right. th- those foot injuries, I, I don't like to mess with those foot injuries in, in, in um, right. It's, especially but, when they happen so close to the season or in right. season, because you just you just never know that that, yeah. that that foot is different. You can't you can't just bear down and you know make it through that. that that's a little bit different. But before the injury, before the injury, I thought he's a good value. Absolutely. Going going back to the the coach when he had that MVP season a few years back. This is the coach that was you know the offensive coordinator in Philadelphia. That put it together for him. Yeah, right. So I, I thought he's a really good value. And then you also got the guys like the Taysom Hills of the world, these gadget kind of quarterbacks that you know yeah. want to very, very maybe rush for 60 yards and a touchdown. I mean, that's already 12 points. Not even count what the arm may give you. So, so. for my quarterback values, I have – I'm looking at quarterbacks that are slightly higher in the draft than those. Um, those are like your back end of the draft values. Uh, right. With my quarterbacks, I like the, 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 the middle of the draft value, as you kind of know. I'll get me three of those or four of those guys in a two quarterback league or in a super flex league, and we're ready to ride. So for me, the values are guys like Ryan Tannehill. Um, would you believe that Ryan Tannehill, since he took over for Marcus Mariota, um, I think he's only second to Mahomes um, as far as um, yards thrown for, uh, or excuse me, fantasy points scored as far as, far as the quarterback position. Um, he he's the the great thing about uh, Tannehill is you can get a guy later on that hasn't finished like later than like QB seven I want to say um, um, since he took over as a starting quarterback. So the thing that I look at as far as value is is are you more valuable than the spot that I'm drafting you in? Um, so it's not um, like a Herbert um, with the Chargers, right? Mm-hmm. Herbert is nine times out of ten going to be drafted before Tannehill. Right. However, Tannehill is probably going to produce as much or outproduce in all likelihood someone like a Herbert. So we have to look at the numbers that these people produce versus just looking at names. Names are exciting. Right. But numbers are how you win fantasy championships. And we're going to have an episode that will give you comparisons, if you will, of, you know, this guy to this guy. This guy costs way more than that guy. So why would you not just wait to take the, the other guy that's going to give you the same amount of points? Like, for instance, one of the um, um, one of my other QB values, people aren't going to draft Tom Brady just because he's old. But guess what? This is his second year in this offensive system. And as of right now, all of his weapons are healthy and everybody came back. 
you aren't going to get any points on the ground from him as a as a quarterback. However, what you're getting through the air and the amount of touchdowns that he's likely to put up and going back to the weather, like you were saying, he's no longer in New England in that bad weather. He's going to be either in domes or in Florida all year round. Well, I think people are going to draft him regardless. Not people age. draft I mean, him, but you'll be you'll be surprised how 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 many other quarterbacks go before him though is what I'm saying. So that's where the value comes. I I, I don't know. I highly doubt because one thing I learned about this fantasy football is people draft what they see. Now you the guys that the, the the experts or the really really good players, they have a strategy and they know who they want that fits what they like to do. But the more casual fan that's playing fantasy football, they draft what they see. So when that name pops up and it says Tom Brady, bing, I'm selecting right. so, that. You know I, I agree. So, but but you have to understand that on most platforms, that name because of how Yahoo, ESPN, Sleeper, et cetera, et cetera. Um, he's top uh, ten, but he's he's a top ten uh, quarterback, right? He is. Let's take a look here. An expert ranking, they got him like a top ten quarterback. He's number number ten. All right, so so let's look at that, right? If he's number ten, matter of fact, give, give me one, give me one through nine. Let, 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 let's let's go that route. Okay, we got Mahomes at one. Okay. Got Josh Allen. Okay. Lamar Jackson. Okay. Kyler Murray. Okay. Dak Prescott. Okay. Russell Wilson. Gotcha. Justin Herbert. Jalen Hurts. Aaron Rodgers, and then Tom Brady. So, Jalen Hurts. You got some guys that's going to pick Tom Brady over Jalen Hurts. Eh, I doubt it. And I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to tell you why. Because of what you just said. Hurts is going to be the next name on the board. So, someone like you or me may pick him over that. We're not talking about me or you. We're talking about the more casual player. Exactly. And and like you said, they're going to pick the person that's that's next in line. They're going to pick Tom Brady. No, they're gonna pick when I say pick what they can see, I'm not saying necessarily pick the higher person on the list. I'm saying when you look at that list and you see them three or four names, which one is better? The more casual player picks that way. So when they say, you know what, I'm looking at my draft like I need a quarterback. And this is my turn to pick. And I look at the list and I look at the list and I got Jalen Hurts and Tom Brady and Matthew Stafford sitting in front of me. Most people are gonna say, give me Tom Brady. The more casual player because they know. He just won a Super Bowl. He's considered the greatest quarterback of all time. Like these are the things that goes into these people's head when they're picking these players. Well, they're not well, going well, to ball. See, I disagree because what, what, what I've seen in my experiences with the people that don't put in the time and effort to practice and mock draft and all that kind of good stuff, uh-huh. they tend to go with whatever the computer is suggesting. They don't tend to veer off too far from what the system is saying the next best three picks are. So if the system isn't indicating that the quarterback that's three three quarterbacks later is one of the next best picks, a lot of people aren't going to have the faith in themselves and their own way of drafting to make that move. So that's why I say, in my experience, your casual fan is more likely to get your Herbert. And that's why I actually said that name specifically. So let me ask you this question. Let me ask you a question, right? And it's ranking. Then they got... Hurts eight, mm-hmm. Rogers nine, and Brady ten. You mean to tell me the more casual fan gonna take Hurts over Brady and Rogers? So, so forget okay. about it. I, I want you. I want you to do me a favor. 
<laughs> on, on the on the on the list that you're looking at, can you easily change it to um to um overall versus just quarterback as far as the rankings are concerned? Yeah. Okay. Well, change no, 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 no. They just got uh quarterbacks. Okay. So you go quarterback running, but they just got it by position. So it's a, it's so, a, it's a, it's a so Yahoo Yahoo ranking. What most people tend to do is they will get a uh a, a overall um but we're talking about by position, though. We're not talking about overall. We're talking about by position. If, no. if this person says, hey, I got to give me a quarterback, and they click, click on quarterback, and then they're showing best available, because it's going to fall in, in, in order, and they're saying best available, and they see Hurts, Rodgers, Brady. Nobody's not taking Jalen Hurts, man. Not the casual fan. Somebody that plays fantasy may be like, okay, I think I can get this, 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 and this from Hurts. He could give me some uh, some points with his legs. He could do this, and they may take him. But the more casual fan that just knows names in football, they're taking Rodgers. They're taking Brady because I know these names. These are more household names. I can I, 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 I can see your point. You see I, what I'm saying? They're going to take the, they're going to take the household name over fantasy production. I mean, I, I give you another example, right? Mm-hmm. Look how low they got Julio Jones this year. Yeah. Right. Okay. So you're trying to tell me you going the more casual fan. I need me a receiver. He's gonna take Cooper Cup over Julio Jones. Hell no, never. Just not gonna do it. But he's ranked higher. But if I if that if that list comes up and I need me a wide receiver and I got Cooper Cup name, then I got Julio Jones name. I got Robert Woods name. Man, give me Julio. I'm not taking no Robert Woods. I'm not taking no Cooper Cup. I'm taking Julio. The now, more casual fan, but, and you know I mean? agree. And right around <laughs> Julio, because Julio's right now it looks like he's been drafted right around wide receiver fifteen. Um, he's been drafted right before. He's eighteen on this list. I'm looking. Oh at. wow. Okay. You know what um, I mean? So that's still. So not, but is that is that a ranking or is that average draft position? That you're okay, so I'm looking at the average draft position. So uh, that's slightly different. So so that, that that goes to what I'm saying then. If he's ranked eighteen, but he's drafted. Closer to 15, you see what I'm saying? People are They're skipping those the name names. Over. There, yeah, there you I go. Okay. Right. Because for me, now, now let me let me show you, let me show you who's going right around him. You got a wide receiver like Terry McLaurin who's going right before him. Um, and then you got a wide receiver like Mike Evans who's going right after him. So that they for take me, and those guys are ranked on my list nine and thirteen. So that's on, so they're taking the names. They're yeah. taking the name. Yeah. They're taking the name Julio over the name Terry. Names over, over name. numbers. Names there over you go. When, you when go. It, whenever you do names over numbers, you find yourself in a weird position because what's sure. happening is when they don't produce and that name ain't quite as shiny anymore, you find yourself holding on to a commodity that's no longer an asset. And it's right. a depreciating commodity for <laughs> sure. For sure. For sure. And that is pretty much going to wrap it up for myself, the fantasy football fiend, and young Vander. Again, all we can do is give you the advice. It's up to you to use it. And we out.